0: You all, happy new year. If you have your Bible, please open it to Psalm 16 today. I know some of you are sad, so I'm not going to make any football jokes today. Psalm 16. People need a resolution for a lifetime. One that is the same year after year. A resolution for a lifetime is one to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. It's not three separate resolutions, but it's actually one with three expressions. Three expressions. Last week we talked about to know Jesus. And you know Jesus in faith. that saving faith. It's not mere knowledge of facts about Jesus, but it's trust and dependency upon him where you surrender your life to him and rest on him alone for salvation. And once you have made this profession of faith, you don't next walk away from Jesus to live life apart from him, to live life in your own pride, to live life in your own strength and your own self-sufficiency. No, you continue to trust in Jesus. You continue to rest in Jesus. In other words, you would next live a life to enjoy him, to enjoy him. You see, you know Jesus in saving faith, but you enjoy him in relationships. So do you enjoy him? Currently, last year, this year, will you enjoy Jesus? Or will you enjoy something else? Or someone else? Today we're going to talk about what it means to enjoy him. Because what flows from a saving faith in Jesus is a lifelong relationship with him. If you have a believer... If you have made a profession of faith and have surrendered your life to Christ in faith, you are now in a personal relationship with him. But how is that relationship going? Do you enjoy him? Or do you enjoy something else? If you have your word, the Bible, Psalm 16, beginning in verse 1. Preserve me, O Lord, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrow of those who run after other gods shall multiply. Their drink offering of blood I shall not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lions have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel, and the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or not let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness and joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Please pray with and for me. Father, as we come to your truth, I realize that I'm not worthy to preach your word. Because most of the time I don't believe half the things I preach. It's easy for me to preach it to other people, but it's so hard for me to apply it to my own life. And so I stand before you as a broken man, just like every other person here. I don't have it all together. My family don't have it all together. We all need Jesus and more of Him today. And I need Him. I need your Spirit to speak through me. I need your Spirit to move my pride to the side, my need for man's approval to the side, my need for someone to pat me on the back after the service to the side. So that Christ can be glorified in what takes place here and not me. I am but a man. And that's all I'm ever going to be. And that's okay. Because Christ is the Savior. He doesn't need anyone else to do that. There's only one Christ and it's not me. So during these few moments, I pray that the Spirit will take over and bring glory to you, my shepherd. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Psalm 16 is written by King David. It's a psalm of confidence and contentment with the Lord's care and provisions in his life. You see, if, you, if you're enjoying a relationship with Jesus, then you will have confidence in and contentment with his lordship in your life. There will be a growing dependency upon it. David says in verses 1 and 2, Preserve me, O Lord, for in you I take refuge. I have no good apart from you. David showed dependence on the lordship, and and that is his lordship in his life. He wants the Lord to preserve him. In the Hebrew, it says, preserve me, O El. Preserve me, O El. El is, is one of the many names of God used by the Israelites. And most commentators think El means the strong one. Others think think it means the ever-present one. So David is is saying, O strong and ever-present one, God, preserve me. For in you I take refuge. If you know preserve, that means to guard, to keep, to watch over like a shepherd keeps and watches over his sheep. So David is placing all of his hope and all of his trust in a God who is a shepherd, in a God who is strong and ever-present. David believes his God will guard his life and his God will protect his life. So he takes refuge in his God, his place of safety, his place of security. David continues his prayer by saying, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. The name of the Lord that David uses here is Yahweh or Jehovah. It is the most sacred name of God. So much so, the Israelites wouldn't even pronounce it. They wouldn't even pronounce it. If you look at this name in Hebrew, they don't pronounce it. And most commentators say, Of all the names which occur in scripture about God derived from his works except one, that is Jehovah. All the names of God which occur in scripture are derived from his works except one, that is Jehovah. This is called the plain name because it teaches plainly of the substance of God. In the name Jehovah, the personality of the supreme is distinctly expressed. It is everywhere proper denoting the name of God in him alone. God says in Isaiah 42, 8, I am Jehovah. That is my name. I am Jehovah. That is my name. The name points to God as the self-existent one, the transcendent one, the holy one, the righteous one, the unchangeable one. Yahweh. Yahweh, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. He and David embraces this from him. He embraces God in his goodness. He embraces God as the one who keeps his soul. David's happiness. David's happiness comes from the life source, which is God himself. What about you? This year, where will your happiness come from? This year, where will your goodness come from? This year, where will your well-being come from? It has to come from the life source. And there's only one life source. As I said last week, who's the fountain of living water? God. Will you still drink of it? Or will you labor with sweat trying to find life, peace, and happiness outside of Jesus? You can only do one or the other. It's either Jesus or everything else but Jesus. Where will you spend your labors? Where will you spend your sweat this year trying to find peace, happiness, security, significance? Where will you place it? Do you say to Yahweh, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Do you say it and believe it? Do you say to El, preserve me, for in you I take refuge? If you are enjoying Jesus in relationship, then you will answer yes to those questions. They won't be perfect, but it will be a desire of your heart. These words will be a prayer and a growing reality in your life. You will be growing in dependency on his lordship. Those of us who have saving faith in Jesus, there should also be a newfound enjoyment of Jesus, an enjoyment of the Father that wasn't there before. Is that true of you? Because you think think about your life before Christ came. I know all my life, I didn't enjoy Jesus. I enjoyed anything but him. I enjoyed sin, to be honest with you. So if you have faith in him, there should be a new desire in your heart To find enjoyment in Jesus, in relationship that was not there before. One Christian says, you will sweetly embrace him. You will sweetly embrace him. It means you will sweetly embrace Jesus, not just as your Savior, which we love that part of Jesus, but also as your Lord over your life. That's the part we have trouble with. Because as Lord, he says, everything you have is mine, not yours. It's all mine, not yours. That's the Jesus we don't like, because that Jesus makes demands on our life. And so it's not a one-time embrace. It's a lifetime embrace. And remember, a resolution for a lifetime is what we all need. We don't need a New Year's resolution that's different every year. We need one that says, I want to know Jesus more and I want to enjoy Jesus more. Because apart from Him, you have no good. You have no happiness. You have no peace. I don't care how much stuff you have or how big your houses are or what school you go to, it's Jesus and Jesus alone that gives you peace, that gives you purpose, that gives you hope, that gives you significance. It's Him alone. So you have to sweetly embrace Jesus as the strong and ever present One in your life. The One who preserves you, the One who guards you, and the One who watches over you like a shepherd. Who's your shepherd? Who's shepherding you through life? It's whoever you worship. It's whoever you worship. Do you worship Him? You know your life. You know your checkbook, and you know your time. Who do you worship? Who do I worship? I own mine. I know mine. I struggle with this. As I said last week, I love being a Christian in America because of living in America. I just own it because of the comforts and the life I have in America. It's easy to be a believer for me here. I own mine. Will you own yours? The strong and ever pleasant one has to be our refuge. Our place of hope. Our place of safety. Your goodness and your happiness and your peace must come from him. That apart from him you have nothing that is good. And Jesus' lordship in your life is Good. Think about that. It's good. Just as much as him being your savior, his lordship is just as good for you. It's dependable and it's always trustworthy. Always trustworthy. And what does dependency on his lordship mean? What does it look like? It means every day you die to self. That's what it means. Dependency on his lordship means you die to your pride, You die to seeking your own. You die to self-sufficiency. That means you surrender it all to Jesus. Everything. Your livelihood, your security, your affections, your well-being, your future, your fears, your struggles, your successes, and your dreams, your health, and your life. In all of 2015, you say, Lord, I surrender it to you. If you were enjoying Jesus in relationship, you would strive to do that, to surrender. Because who are you surrendering it to? To a God who is always faithful. To a God who is always good. There isn't an idol that you have that will lay down its life for you. There ain't anything that you worship would sacrifice itself for you. There's only one. And that is Jesus and Him alone. So you can bring your burdens and your fears and cast them upon Him because He cares for you. So you bring to Him all these things. A friend told me, you pray to Jesus, not at Jesus. Think about that. You pray to Jesus, not at Him. Praying at Him is saying, you need to do this this year, you need to do that this year. Praying to Jesus says, not my will be done, but your will be done in my life. That's praying to Jesus, not at Jesus. If you enjoy him, you will pray to him. Not your will. Not my will be done, but your will be done in my life. Now, Jesus knows this ain't going to be easy. He know, He's not naive. He's not a naive Savior, not a naive Lord. He knows that you are sheep. And he knows you still have struggles. And he knows it's not going to be easy. That's why he's giving you his spirit. That's why he's giving you the Holy Spirit. And listen, it's easy for me to stand up here and tell you week after week to believe the gospel. And strive to live a a life that reflects Christ. It's easy for me to do that, but it's hard, like I said, for me to believe and apply the same truth to my own life. And I know that's just not normal for me. It's for everybody. We all struggle that way. And because no matter how much we listen to and sing about the gospel, it's still hard to believe it and live it. Hard. Because life makes it hard. Life is not a three-point sermon. I wish it was, but it's not. I mean, it ain't a three-point sermon I can give you that's going to make life any easier. Parenting is hard. Marriage is hard. Work is hard. School is hard. Relationships are hard. Dealing with aging parents are hard. Trust me, I'm dealing with that. It is hard. Sometimes our money gets hard. And the gospel can sometimes get buried under the hardness if we let it. This week, I've been down and out because of my issues with my dad. I can't fix it. I've been down and out because of I put on some weight and I'm not exercising like I used to. I'm stressed out because I can't order my life like the way I want to order it. Basically, everything I said to you last week, I didn't believe it. <laughs> That's why I keep. I didn't believe a single word of it, because I was struggling. So Wednesday morning, I, I got up early, because I had a meeting with a friend, and I went to, start, to my, one of my little spots, Starbucks, pulled out my journal, and I just cried out to the Lord, begging him to help my unbelief. I wish I could stand up each week and tell you I believe this stuff every day and I, but I don't and so I had to ask Jesus to help me to believe that Jesus is still the theme of my life not my fitness not my the way I look not my desire to control and order my life I worship productivity that's what I worship and what I mean by that I have to be productive feel good about myself I gotta constantly be doing stuff if I'm not doing something productive I'm not happy so I got to be doing, even on my days off, I got to do something to be productive. And that's an idol for me. And so I have to let that go. I like fixing things. I can't, my dad is struggling. I can't fix it. I can't save it. And so I'm stressed out about that. And so on Wednesday morning, I just had to cry out to the Lord, help me. Help my unbelief. Preserve me and let me take refuge in you. Because apart from you, I have no good. That's something that I have to remind myself of every day. And you will, too. You will, too. Enjoyment the Lord in relationship produces in us confidence and contentment with his lordship in our life. That he can be trusted despite our circumstances. But do we believe that? Do I believe it? Because he's good. God is good. What? All the time. And all the time. God is good. And we always forget it. And we always forget it. In verses 3 and 11, David gives us examples of God's goodness in our life. And that same goodness that he extends to David, he also extends to each of you if you have saving faith in him. You must strive to embrace this goodness in these verses. In fact, if you are enjoying Jesus' in relationship, then you will grow in confidence and contentment with all the things he says in these verses. First, there is goodness of God's people. The goodness of his people which is the church. How do you view God's people? How do you treat the church? Is she important to you? Or is she just another activity in our schedules. The church is not this building. It's not our activities. It's not our programs. But it's the people you're sitting next to right now. That's the church. For this particular body. She is Jesus' bride. And if you love Jesus as much as we say we love Jesus, then you will also love Jesus' people. Can't say I love Jesus and not love his people. You cannot go to the Bible and show me that in Scripture. And so if you love Jesus, that means you will want to be in fellowship with his people, with all their mess, with all their brokenness. You want to be in fellowship with them. Look what David says in in verse 2. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. As for the saints in the land. They are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. When you think about the church, are those words true of you? Are they true of you? The saints in the land are, are believers from every nation, tribe, denomination, culture, race, language, social, social status, or even political view. Are they your, do you delight in them? Do you fellowship with them? If you are enjoying Jesus, then you will grow in delighting in his people. Even the ones you don't see eye to eye with. Because listen, he didn't just reconcile us to God, he reconciled us to one another. That's what Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. Despite our differences, fellowship with God's people is good. But do you believe it? Listen, if you lived in China, you'll believe that. If persecution ever truly comes to America, you will cling to something like that. Because in the end, the only one you can trust is someone who's like-minded. you got to know that we are a body of Christ together in community. We're just one local body. There's many local bodies. And so if you're not connected to one, please get connected to one. And listen, there are no perfect churches. Once you join, it, it becomes imperfect. Because I know most of you. So there are no perfect churches. They're all broken. Some that acknowledge it and some that hide it. We acknowledge ours. Second, there's the goodness of his provisions. The goodness of his provisions. Look at verses 5 and 6. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Portion is a term that deals with destiny and future that is allotted to a person. In our context, destiny and future is not allotted by faith. It's not about chance. It's not by karma. But it's by providence. God's providence. His will. Yahweh is your chosen future. Your destiny. He also, he also David also uses the cup metaphor to paint the same picture. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, usually the figurative language of cup. It's always negative, right? The cup of God's wrath, the cup of God's judgment. Here it's positive. It's talking about drinking from the cup of God's will and providence in your life, which is good. Do you drink of it daily? Drinking of Yahweh himself. His goodness. David says, Yahweh, you hold my lot. You hold my lot. Since Yahweh is his chosen portion in his cup, he holds his lot. And lot is a metaphor for life, circumstances, or life conditions. Jesus holds your life. You do not hold your own life. He does. He maintains it. He supports it. He upholds it. Your circumstances as well as your conditions. You got to know his grip on your life is firmly secure. Just like the song we just sung. There's nothing that can rip you from his hands. Verse 6, David says, The lions have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Yahweh's lions of provisions for David have fallen in pleasant places means the Lord always made a way for David. If you know anything about David's life, when the king tried to kill him, did Yahweh provide a way out all the time? Every time, the king didn't get him. The same applies for you. Do you believe that in this year, no matter what comes across your path, or what may come, that God will always provide a way for you to come out of it? You have to believe that. Listen, it's going to be hard this year. It's going to be good times and bad times. But Jesus is still there. This year, there will be, you will lose some things. There will be death. There will be heartaches. There will be sickness. But in the midst of it all, there is still Jesus. Still Jesus. The strong and ever-present one. If you don't believe certain things about Jesus, then it's going to be hard for you this year. What do you believe about him? What do you believe about him? Is he strong? Is he ever present? I know you're going to say the Sunday school answer here, but I'm talking about a Monday morning when life gets back to life. Is he still the strong and present one? Last week I said that we never, 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 never outgrow our need for the gospel. That's the truth. But on the other side, Jesus never, 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 never never gets tired of you. Never gets tired of you. He never grows weary with his people. He never says, man, I messed up by saving so-and-so. Man. He never says stuff like that. Thank God he doesn't. And so you have a beautiful inheritance that awaits you beyond this earthly life. Do you long for it? If you worship God's blessings more than him, you will never long for heaven. If you worship this life, particularly our life in America, more than you long for heaven, you will never long for heaven because this is as good as it gets. If this is as good as it gets, I mean, we, we, we set up for less. What do you long for? What's really your inheritance? As believers, our inheritance is not having our best life now. It's the life to come. That's our inheritance. We are sojourners in this country. This is not our home. Our home is on the other side. But we live like it is. We sweat and bleed as if this is all that exists to our existence. It's our life here. So we're stressed. We're burnt out. We're overworked. Because we're trying to have heaven on earth, there would never be heaven on earth. We taste it. We'll taste of it. But the full banquet is not going to come to Jesus' sins. No matter how much you labor, how much you sleep less at night, you ain't going to have the perfect life, the perfect family, perfect kids, the perfect job. It's all going to be stained with brokenness and sin. But again, Jesus is still there. Do you believe it? Third, the goodness of his presence. Verses 7 and 8. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Yahweh is David's counselor, his advisor. He gives him guidance and direction. And David adores and delights in it. He gets this counsel from God's word, God's spirit, even his own heart instructs him. Verse 7 says, in the night also my heart instructs me. Matthew Henry, the old uh, theologian, says, David's own conscience instructs and demolishes him and engages and quickens him as one that God has, the one, let me read that, I messed that up badly. God's own conscience instructs. And admonishes him, encourages and quickens him to live as one that has God for his portion. Think about that. God equips David to live the life that he wants David to live. Think about that. He equips you to live life he wants you to live. Think about that. He calls you to live a certain way, but he equips you to do it. How? Through his word and through his spirit. Through his spirit. I know as Presbyterians, we don't always think about that, but the spirit of God is important. It is. And so David lived his life upon God. He lived in communion with him, in fellowship, in relationship. So he can say in verse verse 8, I always set the Lord before me. He's expressing a content focus to be proactively and continually set the Lord before him by spending time in the word. This is David following God, intentionally following him in relationship. He recognizes his daily need for God's presence in his life. And David says, because you are at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. This means God is indispensable to your life. He's necessary in good times and bad times. Do you believe it for yourself? Do you have this type of confidence in the Lord? How do you set the Lord before you? His word. His word. I'm talking about communing with God in his word. How that may look for you, spending time with him, fellowship, communion. That draws you closer to the heart of Christ. Prayer draws you closer to the heart of Christ. These aren't, these aren't checklists and things. These are things that your soul needs spiritually. You spiritually need these things to help you fight against the world in which we live. Do you recognize your daily need for Jesus' presence? Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word has to be the measuring stick of your life, what sets the direction of your life, the source that shapes your life, the world around you. God's word has to do that. It has to penetrate your heart and change you. But will we let it? What's the measuring stick of your life? What shapes the way you see the world around you? Something shapes you. Is it the word of God that does it? God's word for his people is his fatherly instruction to you. You got to see it that way. Some, if you see it as him being a dictator, him being the bad dad, or, or the God who don't want you to have fun, you ain't ever going to see the word right now. You are his child, son or daughter. And when he gives you his word, it's for your benefit. Now, we're, now your, our kids don't understand it when we give them instructions. Or they think we th- th- we're trying to hold them back from having fun. And so God knows we think the same thing about him. You're just like your kids. So please know that when it comes to your relationship with God. And God knows that. But he's patient with you. He's patient with you. Proverbs 4, 13 says, keep hold of instruction. Do not let it go. Guard her, for she is life. Think about that. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go of her, for she is life. There is no substitute for instruction and counsel you get from God's word. There is none. There is none. If you didn't give instruction and counsel to your kids, you'd be a bad parent. Now, God will be a bad parent if he didn't give it to you, right? Come on, right? Yes. The same thing you give to your kids, he, give to, he gives to you. You have to embrace it. Long for it. Every day, start seeing yourself like a car battery. A spiritual car battery. That dies every day. And every day you need to jump off. And the spirit gives you that spiritual jump off through God's word and prayer. So basically, if you ain't in the word and prayer, you're spiritually dry. Your battery is dead. So how dead is your battery? Today. How dead is it? How dead is it? Our spiritually vitality does not keep charge. It always has to be recharged, because we're sinners, so we always need to recharge. We always need the Word to go in us. And listen, there you you, you can't. There, there's not a preacher or book or a conference that's going to change this reality. Every day you're going to need God's Word in you, because every day you you fall into things that pulls you away from it. Please know this: life here is spiritual warfare. Don't let the conference of this country fool you for the fact. We are in spiritual warfare. It looks different for us. And sometimes we live life thinking we're not in the war. And what we are. And there are things that 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 wants to pull you away. There's a real enemy that wants to pull you away on Monday morning. Pull your focus away from the Lord. And how you fight that enemy. You can't fight apart from the God's word and his spirit. You can't fight in your own strength. You need it. Set the Lord before you, because if he's at your right hand, you will not be shaken. Lastly, there's the goodness of God's protection. Verses 9 through 11. Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shield, nor let your Holy One see corruption. You made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and your right hand are pleasures Forevermore. more do you see david's confidence in these words and his contentment in these words do you see that with god's lordship and his protection over his life this year your heart should be glad this year your whole being should rejoice this year your flesh should dwell secure why because of god's protection over your life when you leave here in a few minutes please know you walk out with that protection You do. So you don't make your heart glad. You don't make your soul rejoice. You don't make your flesh well secure. God does because of his goodness. What you believe about God impacts the way you live for God. If he's good, as he says he is, then you will enjoy him in relationship despite circumstances. That's my encouragement to you. A resolution for a lifetime to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and next week to glorify Jesus. Let us pray. Father, I know Monday morning is coming really fast, and so we all get back to work schedules, school starts, and so we get back to the the normal routines of our life, whatever that may look like for our own families, but I pray for each of us, Lord, families, individuals, That you, Lord, will continue to draw us closer to your heart. Let us long to enjoy you in relationship. As Richard prayed, you meet us where we are, but you don't leave us there, Lord. Bring us to that place you want us to be. And I pray blessings upon everyone here today that when they go out Monday morning, Lord, they will go out with a confidence in your goodness and not their own. In Christ's name I pray. Let us stand as we close our service.